This is your host, Dr. Adrian Butler, and welcome to A Moment of Grace. Wow, it is another day of uh, being uh, with the family. And to be honest with you, um, let me tell you, don't, don't tell my wife, don't tell my kids, don't, don't tell them anything. I am enjoying my time with my family. I really am. You know, the world has had to take a pause for a moment. And while we're taking this pause, I'm, I'm also taking this opportunity to pray with my family, um, help my daughter, daughters with their homework a little bit more, and having an opportunity where we can sit down and we've kind of binge watched on a few, you know, a few shows back to back, some family shows back to back. We've had an opportunity to spend more time with each other. And my prayer is you're doing the exact same thing with your family. If you're not, you're missing a great opportunity. I've had some parents that, as, I know as parents, it's a running joke. You know, the kids are really making me pull my hair out. Let me tell you something. If you're listening to me, I just heard that at least for uh, the state that I'm in, they have um, <clears throat> done away with all of the state required um, state required tests. So that's a little less stress that's on your family. Um, if your children are working, and I had to kind of tell um, the teacher Nazi in the house here uh, yesterday, give the kids a break, you know, every couple of hours and let them just stretch your legs and, and do some things because we know the old saying, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. So we want them to be as stressless as possible as we go through this. On today, we're going to be talking about prison ministry and I have two uh, beautiful beautiful sweet spirits with us here today you know prison ministry is <clears throat> should be near and dear to every Christian's heart why do you say that preacher because one thing is we follow a convicted <laughs> prisoner Jesus Christ himself was convicted not only convicted by the law of the land at that time he was also executed by the law of the land. And so it lets us know one thing. If it was unfair and unjust for our savior, there are also people in prison that are unjustly in there as well. Not saying everybody didn't do what they did, but we have to have compassion and love still for every man. I believe that, the, that at the cross, it is level footing for everyone, that all of us are God's creations. And on today, we have two wonderful people uh, brother tim holbrooks who is uh, does a uh, prison ministry at, at the jail in town that he's in he's also superintendent at his at, uh, at his job been doing prison ministry since 2012 and also bishop barber who is a chaplain in the south carolina prison system thank you all for being with us on today yes sir it's good to be here Tim, uh, uh, would you introduce yourself, please, if you don't mind? Uh, um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm just a regular, normal guy. I guess you could say nothing exciting. But um, um, I'm four. I'll be four years old this coming September. Um, I'm blessed with an amazing wife. Um, I got four kids, counting on her kids like a bond. And um, I'm just a picture of God's grace, you know, as far as what um, 
I'm, I tell a lot of people, you know, don't look at me for who I am, but I just want you to look for me about who I look to, who I try, try to share in my life or show in my life. Praise God. But Praise um, God. it's a good life. I'm blessed. Amen. I, I like what you said, that you're a picture of his grace. That is so beautiful because that's who we are in it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. We're all a picture of his grace. Bishop Barber, would you introduce yourself, please? Sure. I am um, Bishop Nadinia Barber, and um, I live in Evans, Georgia. But I travel to McCormick, South Carolina, to the prison daily. I'm the senior chaplain there over the pastoral care service department. And I've been involved in prison ministry itself since 1992, um, where I went in just ministering to the inmates with the church, and I became chaplain <laughs> at that same prison. So I have a long-standing history with that with that prison, and I am employed by the South Carolina Department of Correction with that institution. And so um, prison ministry, um, especially as chaplain there, is pastoral ministry. So I, I am the pastor there, and um, it is just a great privilege that God would allow me to pastor the inmates and the staff and to minister to them. I'm married, and we have five children together and four grandchildren. Praise God. Praise God. I know you are uh, diligent at what you do there at the prison. Uh, as a chaplain, um, what do, do you are you looking for volunteers, or how do volunteers get an opportunity or have an opportunity? Like Tim's a volunteer in the jail that he's in, so share with us just quickly uh, the process. If somebody wanted to be a volunteer, um, maybe not at your prison, but how would they go about becoming a volunteer at a uh, a prison or at a jail? Um. I'm not sure about the, the local jails, but at the prison, um, the state prison in South Carolina, um, basically you start with the chaplain and the same in the, um, the other prisons too, in any state, um, it doesn't matter what state you're in, you start with calling that chaplain and um, talking to that chaplain about what God is putting on your heart to do, whether it's coming in teaching, whether it's one-on-one -on -one mentorship, or whether it's uh, you want to come and actually do a worship service and preach the word of God. Um, so there are many um, things you can do to build up the lives of the um, guys, if it's a male prison or ladies, if it's a female prison. But that's where it started at. You definitely have to do a application. You have to have a criminal background check once you're approved then we start the orientation, a training um, about the vision of the institution and what is expected and all of the security um, precautions so that you can do ministry safely. And then we start having you come in. Some people like to come in monthly, some like to come in weekly. So it just depends on your schedule at that point. Okay. So, so I've been doing prison ministry since I was 19. I've either um, come in, been in singing, uh, come in uh, teaching some form um, for the last, gosh, 40 years now. 
I'm getting, getting, but I'm getting, I'm getting better. I'm like great cheese. I'm getting better. Hopefully not as smelly, but I'm getting better. So this, so I remember as a 19 year old kid coming through the gates of a prison, and I was fearful. And so, Bishop, uh, I I know your your size. You're not a big burly lady. How in the world do you uh, do this every day without? Uh, the spirit of fear. So share that with us because some people may be reluctant because of the spirit of fear. So so share with us, um, how, you know, what, what you do and how you go about, um, how do you come about or how do you come about maybe helping people with that, that thought process? Well, um, you know, knowledge is powerful. Mo- most people that are fearful um, and that's of anything in life, you're fearful when you lack knowledge in that area. And um, most people, for the first time when they're coming into a prison, they have preconceived notions from maybe television or what they hear in the media. But once they come in, they're sweeped off their feet most of the time. They're swept off their feet, excuse my language. Um, because most of the time, and I work um, at a male prison, and when you come in, you see guys that look just like your son, yeah, your exactly. grandson, your nephew. Exactly. Yeah, and, and you're, you're surprised that um, they're walking around, you know, going to classes, going to get GEDs, going to work. Yes, That's they right. work inside, um, coming to the chapel and taking classes. And that that's real strange because uh, people thought of the TV idea that they just shackled to a pole and, you know, just kind of treated inhumane. But for myself, um, I've never had a fear um, from the time I stepped into prison. Um, I never have, never had, had to deal with that um, because God put it on my heart. And from the day one I went into the prison, I had compassion. I was moved with compassion. Because it could have been me, it could have been you That's right. that was in prison. Some people are in there because of ignorance of the law. Like I say, knowledge is powerful. Uh, some some people are in there because they made just a poor decision. Uh, so there are many reasons why guys and, and ladies are in prison. But, but if you know that God has called you to a ministry of healing, deliverance and reconciliation. That's what prison ministry is, is healing. And that takes um, on the, the method, methodology for it take many forms, because it could be just you working with one guy one-on-one, could be through group, or you um, talking about the Lord in a group, it could be you teaching the word. However you reach in that, that individual or that group of men or ladies, um, it's still reconciliation. You reconciling their lives back to right standing with God. God is using you as a minister of reconciliation. He's using you in the deliverance ministry because a lot of time it's process. Um, most of the uh, inmates I deal with, it's a lot of counseling when you're a chaplain. And um, everything goes back to family. I, I've seen it over and over and over again. Everything goes back to family goes back to childhood, goes back to the parents in their life, or the parents that were not in their lives, you can trace it back most Amen. most of the time, 90% of the time. Amen. You can trace it back. Praise God. Well, thank you, Bishop, for letting us know that. Um, we're going to take a small break, and when we come back, um, we're going to ask Brother Holbrook to see how he got started uh, with uh, 
prison ministry and and uh so we're, we're, we're talking about prison ministry at bishop uh nadinia barber who is a chaplain at a prison in south carolina and also brother tim holbrooks who also does prison ministry shares his testimony um with congregations as well as does prison ministry been doing it since 2012. Stay with us until after break. This is your host, Dr. Ray Jerome Butler, and we'll be right back after these messages. There is an estimated half a million men, women, and children that are homeless in our country in this great nation each night. Statistics show the number one reason for homelessness is affordable housing. Dr. Butler and his family have started the Grace Project. It is a plan to build clean, affordable homes that will help get these families off of the street. They would love for you to partner with them by donating to this show where 100% of the proceeds will go to the Grace Project. When you partner with the Grace Project in any dollar amount, you will receive Dr. Butler's latest book, to give, please go to momentspod.com or anchor.fm forward slash moments of grace and hit support. Thank you in advance from the Grace Project. Hello, my name is Adriana. I am nine years old. Did you know that there are half a million amazing kids in foster care? I wrote a book called The Crystal Kingdom to bring awareness to amazing families like mine. When you purchase my book on eBay, a portion of the proceeds will go to foster to a foster care organization to help these amazing families. Think in advance, like my dad always says, keep the light on. We're back, and this is your host, Dr. A. Jerome Butler, and we're talking prison ministry. Um, you know, the the at the beginning of the show, we talked with Bishop Nadine Barber, who's a chaplain at the South Carolina prison system, as, as well as Tim Holbrooks, who has been doing jail ministry in the town he's in since 2012. You know, the Bible tells us that we should proclaim the good news to the poor. That's for every man. As I said at the beginning of our show you know the cross is level ground for everybody it, it is i don't care what you've gone through what you've been through the cross jesus christ is the equalizer he is the one that saves sanctifies and fills us with his spirit and power um there is no way i don't care what you've been the bible says love covers a multiplicity a multitude of sins and i truly believe that and so as we come back in we're gonna ask brother holbrooks if if he could share his testimony uh, brother tim you mind sharing your testimony and how you got in how did you get in the prison ministry um it's actually just a, it's an amazing story um, i'm thankful you know for um, how i was actually raised um of course the way i was raised wasn't actually exactly the way that i uh, lived my life, I guess you could say. But um, I remember as a child, you know, my dad, it was, you know, if the church door was open, I was at church, you know, and uh, 
it's one of them things, you know, I used to, I could tell somebody how to be saved, but just as good as the best preacher you'd ever hear, you know, but gotcha. think about it is I never had that relationship. Amen. Um, I went on through life and uh, hit hard, you know, hard times or whatnot, you know, I was a more of a materialistic type person, you know, gotcha. and um, I just, <clears throat> I guess, you know, I actually got on drugs. Um, I did meth for probably four to five years and it was, it literally, you know, destroyed my life. And um, a lot of people, you know, I, I tell everybody, you know, when I share my testimony at the jail or churches, wherever it's at, you know, I don't like telling my sins as far as bragging, but I do like telling my sins, you know, just kind of, kind of let people realize, you know, how big God is. Amen. And um, how he's a he God can, of a second chance, isn't he, Tim? Bishop, do you believe absolute, that also? He's the God absolute. of a second chance. Amen. He's a God of a chance after chance <laughs> after chance. <laughs> Amen. That's Go it. ahead, brother Tim. And, uh, you know, it, it went on there. I wish I could tell you how many times I've been locked up. I know it's been a lot. Um, it's uh, uh, one of those things to where every time I got locked up, you know, it's a lot of, most of the time, you know, it's like child support offenses and stuff like that. You know, I remember um, every time I get locked up, you know, I say, Lord, you know, come into my heart, save my soul, and I go on about my business. You know, I was always in there, you know, for maybe 30, 60, 90 days at a time. And uh, I remember... You know, it's like I said, every time I got locked up, you know, I asked the Lord to come into my heart and all this kind of stuff, you know, and I just wanted Jesus long enough while I was in there because I didn't have nothing else to do. And um, I know the last time that uh, I was actually in jail, incarcerated, uh, I asked the Lord to come into my heart and I prayed a different prayer. I was like, Lord, you know, I said, uh, if you are who you say you are, you got to show me, you know, show me that you can change my life. And, uh, and I tell you right now, he literally just flipped my life upside down. You know, I was, uh, I got locked up in, uh, let's see, January of 2012. And I've always been the life of the party, you know, right. making everybody laugh. You know, I used to be the center of attention or tried to be. Gotcha. And um, I, I remember I went to a, a church service in the cafeteria in Oconee County Department of Corrections, you know, and it's just, I remember I couldn't tell you what the preacher preached about. I couldn't tell you anything he said that night, but I do know that God dealt with my heart. And it was something different. You know, I do believe, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that was my last opportunity to ask the Lord to come to my heart. And, you know, it's just amazing to see God, you know, that night after I went back to my dorms, you know, and I told them, um, and I tell everybody this stuff to this day, I was like, you know, the best night of sleep that I've ever had in my life was when I was locked up in jail. Wow. That was a, a, the first time that I laid down knew and that I had assurance mm. that God was real in my life and I was saved. And um, and I tell you right now, it's just amazing just to see how God's worked in my life. You know, after I got saved, I remember um, about, um, about two months into my sentence, I was doing a six-month sentence, and um, I was like, God, I said, you know, I said, I want you to show me who you are, show me what you want me to do in my life. You know, I said, well, if you're in jail, you got nothing else to do, and nothing and to lose. Uh, you're you're, I, you're at the place that you don't have nothing else to lose, brother. Exactly, exactly. You know, and I told, uh, <clears throat> I kept praying, you know, I was like, God, I said, show me what you're going to do. Well, of course, he wanted to want me to start doing like a little Bible study, you know, with a few guys, you know, in jail. And, and uh, you know, because the guys actually saw a change in me, you know, the night that I got saved, the next day, they were coming to me, man, are you all right? Are you, you don't seem right. You know, you're not loud. You're not, you're not laughing. You're not cutting up. I'm like, man, I said, I'm good. I said, um, you know, I said, God's doing something in my life. And I said, I'm excited, excited about where he's going to take me. And, um, you know, after I started having the Bible studies, you know, he he actually saved one of my, my good friends in that the first Bible study we had. Come on, that, uh, watch out. Now. He, he, you asked him to show you. He's, he, 
he's not only going to yeah. show you, but he gets someone else delivered uh, through your through your your ministry. Now it's now it's ministry. He's he's transformative. Yeah, exactly. And it's just it was just something that I could not get over God's goodness. Wow. You know, um, I remember after you know, it's like I said, you know, I used to ask for that for forgiveness every time I went to jail. You know, but I never really meant business. I never really right uh, didn't really wanted him into my life. But I know uh, one of the biggest things in my life that really made a change you know is I would always call my dad and I'd call my sister they're the most godliest influences I could ever ask for in my life and um they'd always bail me out well this time they said you know no I'm not gonna bail you out you know you gotta you gotta do you gotta do your time hello so now 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 you you've changed your life and God's getting ready to do something something with you so now this is the very time they say we're not bailing you out right Right, exactly. You know, <laughs> tough love. It's the best thing for it. For Amen. An Amen. And Amen. Um, I remember I'd always say my sister's always been my closest friend, you know, mm. and I'd, she'd always come visit me whenever I was up there and all this. And my car's like, you know, I said, you're going to be able to come visit me this coming week. And she said, no. She said, I'm sorry. I can't. Wow. And me and my husband sit down and talked about it. Mm. And um, she, he said, that, or, you know, his, her husband said, you know, I don't really want you in that situation in that place with all those men which I totally understand it mm-hmm. you know what I mean right, I do right. I do now mm-hmm. and man that really hurt it really did you know it went on there I guess two or three months and um, finally you know after I asked the Lord to come into my heart you know I, I said and I wrote her a letter and um, I remember I wrote her the letter and then on she said on her way home from or on her way to Sunday school Sunday morning she opened it she had it two or three days didn't even open it and uh, she said that she uh she read it she just started bawling and jeff said you know which her husband said you know he got saved didn't he mm. and man she said that she totally lost it and he did too he's you know you've got to go see him right. you know because he needs encouragement right right and um i'll tell you right now she came and visited me and she told me she says you know you are a different person just by looking at me before i even sat down you know i she said there was something different about me and um and it's just amazing you know that she has said this many times, you know, she prayed for me over 20 years for me to get saved. Wow. You know, during the addiction, during everything. And, you know, it's just a, it's amazing how God, you know, answered her prayer, you know, and it's uh, one of those things, you know, what advice I've got to say to anybody is if you've got lost loved ones, loved ones, if they're not saved, don't give up. Amen. Don't. I mean, it's amazing what God can do through somebody's life. He wants to bring glory to his name. What better way to do that and to do something through us for him? Amen. But, but you know, at, at some time, sometime too, and, and uh, uh, Bishop, if you uh, can chime in on this as well, sometime God needs um, us to get out of his way. Absolutely. So he can so he can do his work. Uh, um, I know we do this sometime with our children. We won't let them grow up. And and sometime and, and one thing I've always said, you know, as a as, as a counselor for over 30 years, one thing I've seen, whether it's in prison, whether it's in the family dynamic, the child that is seems to cause the most trouble is the one that seems to get the most attention. Not saying you don't love your other children, but one thing I want to say here, I'm not saying neglect your children. Don't don't get me wrong. If they're in prison, they need you. Um, but I am saying when God moves on your heart that he needs to work it out, that he needs to uh, step in because keep in mind, just like I said, the ground is level at the cross for all. Absolutely. 
it's level at the cross for all of us. Sometime or another, and, and, and I'm talking about like your situation. I'm not talking about long-term incarceration. I'm talking about like your, your situation, um, Tim, um, where, you know, you, you got a very short sentence. It's been habitual, in and out, in and out, bailing you out, going back in. Somewhere along the line, if we're praying that God would deliver somebody, sometime we got to let God deliver them. And, and I know it's a harsh truth. I, I don't. And and you said something a few moments ago. I'm not negating what you said, Tim. You said tough love, and my mother always says that, and I always correct her. From my vantage point, I call it love. Sometimes right. when we when we step out of the way, because God said He is love. When we step out of the way, and inject love, or inject Yahshua, inject Abba Father into it, then wow. it's, it's love. And, and it may be tough to the person that's receiving it. But it's just love. I, I need to get out of his way so he can deal with with her heart. Bishop, you being in the in the um, prison system as long as you have, have you seen people that have gotten delivered after maybe parents have backed away and, and God had to, to deal with their hearts? Well, I won't say after parents backed away. I would say after um, I have found it took a lot of maturity. Can, can you hear me better? Yes, yes, I got you. Mature, okay. I like that. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I'm, I'm going to steal that now. I'm getting ready to use that in my new counseling now. I'm going to use that instead <laughs> of the tough love thing. All right. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it took a lot of maturity um, for the eyes of, of some of the guys to be open. And um, the, sometimes the behavior problem don't stop because they get incarcerated. Incarcerated could just be warehousing. They have to, it has to be intentional. They got to get sick and tired and sick and tired of hitting bottom and bumping their head and getting charges even while you're in prison. If a guy had a drug problem before he came to prison, more than likely he gonna find a way in, in prison to, to for that habit until- It didn't stop, he, did it? Yeah, Amen. it didn't stop until he gets tired of it. But when the parents do call me, and it's not just parents, sisters call me, wives right. call me, right. aunties call me, you know, loved ones call. But um, I, I can tell those that are carrying the burden and I can tell those that have up over mothered, I want to say, gotcha. Helicopter <laughs> some mother. of the guys. Right. And they, gotcha. they are trying to over mother. And I'm saying, look, church is here. Would you please, I beg you, go say, look, the church is here. I got a full schedule every day. They can be here from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day wow. if they want. But the word the word is here they, they got they got good preaching good teaching here um they can go to school they can finish their D ged they can get a trade you know i let them know they real surprised when i tell them these things mm. yeah um because they they sound a little hopeless on the other end but uh you know you have to minister to the family too and empower the family and let them know that um as i tell the guys this is a university for you you're gonna you're gonna pass every test and you're gonna graduate. And, and they're only gonna only gonna get in what they they're only gonna get in what they put in. Yes, yes. You have to come to that realization. But I have seen guys give their life to Christ, do very good. I've seen them backslide and I've seen them come back. Amen. As, as well. And then I've seen some that have have stayed the course but have had a lot of challenges. And um so 
people. Um, there's different, just like on the outside in a regular church, there's different uh, guys are at different levels and, and struggling with different things as they try to walk out the Christian life. And as they try to turn away from those addictions and not look back, because many have turned away, just like um, you talked about the meth, many have turned away, but they still have struggles. It's not right. that they're doing it, but they still struggling with it and um, want to turn to it when the problem occurs. Right. And, um, yeah, reaching out and holding themselves accountable, not just to me as the chaplain, but to other guys who have also walked in the same shoes they've walked in. Amen. Well, we're going to, um, uh, Tim, we're, we're going to, we're, we're at our, the end of our show here. If, if there's someone listening out there that um, is struggling, you know, going back and in, back and forth into the prison or into the jail, uh, maybe they're addicted. What would be your advice for them? If you could, we had about a minute here. My advice is, I would say, you know, getting God's word. You know, God, he uh, He fulfills all the promises that he promises in our life. Um, I know people, you know, they fall in hard times, but um, if they can just, every time they feel that urge, you know, just open God's word. It don't matter where it's at. God's going to put the right word in you. You know, just, um, just stay faithful to him. Because, I mean, God will, I mean, he will change you. That's what I'm sure. I'm thankful for his grace and his mercy. That's that's what I always pray each and every day. You know, that's something I can always be thankful for, you know, thoughtful for. But, um, hey man, thank you. And, and Bishop, um, uh, what, what, let me give you the last word here. What, what would you say to somebody that wants to go into the, um, the prison system, uh, to help? And if that ministry is pulling on them, we got about 30 seconds here. I would say that there is a place for everyone with gifts um, that God has given them. We even had a birthday ministry. So there's, there's a space for anyone that wants to come in and minister in the way that God has given it to them. Because just the ministry of celebrating a birthday is wonderful um, to empower someone. Amen. Well, thank you all so much um, for sharing your testimony, um, Tim, and, and even uh, your professionalism and, and uh, what you do there at the prison, Bishop. Um, I want to thank you all so much for uh, sharing with us on this evening. Um, dear hearts, everybody needs somebody to love them, uh, whether you're behind bars. And as I said at the top of the show, uh, all of us uh, that are saved, we follow a convicted criminal. His name is Jesus. He did nothing wrong. As you heard, um, Bishop Barber, as well as uh, Brother Holbrooks, um, I'm reminded of Mark 2 and 17 that tells us that the healthy have no need of a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the, the righteous, but to sinners. He has not been called to righteous, but to sinners. He's been called to save them. He's been called to sanctify them and to love them. And so guess what? Since we are the body of Christ, it's now that mantle is on each and every one of us. If you're listening to me, you may have been struggling going in and out of prison, going in and out of jail. If you're listening to me, you may have been struggling and pressed on your heart to do something behind bars to help people. 
on the level ground, which is the cross. If that's you, I want you to pray and ask God to continue to lead and guide you and show you what you need to do. Pick up his word, have his spirit on the inside, and he'll guide you. Well, my time is up, dear hearts. This is your host, Dr. Ray Jerome Butler. Thank you again for being with us. And while you have an opportunity, hug your children, hug your wife, husband, hug your family. Walk and give the social distancing, as they call it. But be safe in these times. And remember that we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I also want you to remember, love God, love life. Keep the light on. We'll see you next time.